Welcome back, everybody, to the That's God podcast. My name is Dave Burr, and again, I get to be your host. And today, once again, we have the incredible Graham Kerr with us. And Graham, welcome back to the podcast. I'm delighted to be with you again. Thank Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I tell you, I am... Uh, I just cherish the little conversations that we have off Good. camera and uh, just getting to know I'm, you better. I'm enjoying and, them thoroughly. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you mm. very much. Last time we talked, ending up podcast number two, you were on the side of the road yes. in an accident yes. in California after being hit by a vegetable truck, if I remember right. <laughs> yes. The Galloping Gourmet Show has not come to an end, but it's getting close. And Trina at that time said that's that's I can't do it anymore, and she's yeah. hurt badly. Yeah. Yes, she. Um, I I I think almost from the day that we began the program, she was always the the one who came along for the ride mm-hmm. to keep me somehow on the straight and narrow. Gotcha. <clears throat> Help me. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't what she would most want to have done in her life. She was an actress. She was had yes. a career and, in and, the and she was brilliant. She was mm-hmm. really, really wonderful. Yeah. So great that I really didn't think that if she really connected with the audience worldwide, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't think that I had a prayer. Mm. Why, why would she be even remotely interested in me? Right. Because she would be a star. Yeah. And um, and I sort of understood that. And the fact that she was immersing herself in me and what I was doing was an, a constant amazement to me right. that she would do that. Mm-hmm. So, so as the truck hit and I was able to scrape myself off the dashboard and her... Um, having been pulled onto the floor of the of the motorhome with this broken glass thing sticking through her berth that oh, would have wow. killed her uh, wow. straight out. Um, and I'm looking at her and we're sort of sitting on the floor of this thing and it's hissing underneath the, 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 the propane heater f- that was actually on oh, yeah. to warm the thing at nighttime as we were driving mm-hmm. had been extinguished by the ice plants in the meridian of the road mm-hmm. as it screwed into the middle of the road it caused this this wash of ice plant juice to come up and it extinguished the otherwise oh, it goodness. might have ruptured the yeah. tank and burned uh, wow so so many <laughs> i know <laughs> So many issues were involved in that, but I looked at her and I said, are you all right? And she looked up at me and she said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Just that, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And it was so plaintive and so, it was, it was an end to something. Now, I was partially paralyzed on one side and I, I didn't think of what my injuries. All I knew was mm-hmm. that she couldn't do it anymore. Well, you had both been burning the candle at both ends. Yes. For several years now. Yeah, it's, it, it's well over two years and 195 shows a year. Yeah. That's you, you, and, and we set everything on It's a side. crazy pace. Yes, yes. I, I, 
I told them at the beginning, I can't do this. Yeah. And I know I can't. Yeah. And they said, well, let's give it a try anyway and see. Well, I remember you said, I've got 16 shows or or 32 shows or whatever yes. it was. That's yes. all I got. And you're signing a contract for... 650. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. How many ways can you fix eggs for, for that many shows, right? <laughs> so Trina is not only has she mentally like yeah. this is this is it but she is in a lot of pain yeah. and um she uh, i think i was reading that she had been seeing like horrible visions and fell into like a deep depression as well yes and i'm wondering um do you think she uh had like a mental or a emotional breakdown at that point because for years now um from what happened with your yes. infidelity and her unforgiveness that she's been harboring. Yeah. You've been burning the candle at both ends. And now this wreck mm-hmm. that has left her in this state, I'm just thinking, my goodness. Um, I think that she was unable to grasp who she was from that Christmas day in New Zealand when she discovered that I had broken her word, which was truth. Mm -hmm. And having broken truth left her on her own Mm. to manage as best she could. Mm -hmm. And from her ruptured childhood, um, where her father once said to her, fall backwards and I'll catch you. And she said, oh, no, no, come on, trust me, trust me. Yeah. And fall back. And she fell and he, he didn't catch her. Wow. And he said, now, that'll teach you. Don't trust anybody ever. Including your own dad. That was part of his parenting yeah. of this child. Yeah. So she, she was always a wounded child. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so the wounds, you know, she, yes. Um, was that mental? Um, we are so easily moved into a criticism of people who don't seem to have it together. Mm-hmm. And we, we call that a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a wound. And it's, it's wound tissue. It's scar tissue in the mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to be a lot more considerate, I think, of looking at that and believing that the scar tissue can be dissolved, Mm. but only, in my judgment now, as a result of divine intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there is so much of that mental illness or scar tissue out there these days that's on display everywhere. Yes. And we seem to be understanding enough of it to be able to speak about it publicly. Mm. And we have a great number of very talented professionals who are in the business of helping to dissolve scar tissue. It's in my judgment, however, just because of my experience in my life, um, is that it does get to need God's intervention for this to take place. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a deep scar tissue yeah. that needs to be moved. Yeah. Um, and I think 
he is absolutely capable of of, of complete healing. Well, I think you're right because um, this issue issue has been made aware for the last several for many years, yeah. and yet. Uh, nothing that our politicians, nothing that man has been able to uh, come up with as a solution is working. In fact, it's only getting worse, isn't it? It seems to be getting worse. I don't know whether that's just numerically as the human race keeps on expanding. Yeah. <laughs> we keep expanding. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And because I don't know, I don't like to to, sure. to, to speak about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, so um, after the accident, you you limped back in to the studio without Trina. Yes, and this is where you had those celebrities come in because you were no longer able to to, to leap over the uh, the chair and with your Absolutely. glass of wine and yes. and uh, you needed that six minutes. Uh, that Trina used to provide. She, used to, I'm, I'm assuming, she wrote all those scripts and had those ideas and everything. And now that was gone. Yes, um, um, she would not necessarily read, uh, uh, do scripts, <clears throat> but she would investigate jokes with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the most awful writing in the world is when you have a book called the Ten Thousand Joke Book. <laughs> And you, you go through that thing. It's worse than a Chinese torture. <laughs> You've confessed to almost anything reading right. that. But so we, we literally worked on the first six, six minutes together. And, um, and then, as, she, as I've said, she then released me to my food. Yeah. And I was able to get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that had to be converted into this arrival of Liberace and Tiny Tim and all the rest, mm -hmm. um, who were wonderful, and um, but it was not the same, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it did that well, <clears throat> and we did 65 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I think everybody decided, well, since you can't still jump over a chair, yeah. and we've done the celebrity thing, so... Yeah. I think we have to call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you were able to complete like the 1972 series that you just mentioned. <laughs> yes. And now it's like, all right, so we're done with the show. Yes. Trina is still hurting. Your family is still, uh, they have, they're, they're no longer, they, for a couple of years now, they are no longer New Zealand at boarding schools. They've, your kids are with you yes. In, yes. in Canada. Um, but then, uh, still your world is kind of turned upside down. Yep. And I think it was a doctor friend of yours that said, Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you take a year off and why don't you sail around the world? Yeah. Um, he was a Scottish doctor and not a friend of mine. Um, but he was the most friendly doctor I've ever had. <laughs> he said, what you need to do, uh, forgive my accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is buy yourself a boat and pull some lines and catch your balance, and I think you'll be fine. And I thought, what a marvelous doctor, yeah. you know, because I've always loved to sail, little little dinghy sailing, you know, but that was it. Mm -hmm. So with the insurance payment, from which, yeah. which was considerable, we looked at the kind of boat where we could put all the family on board 
continued to teach our children with a tutor that would mm -hmm. be part of a crew. Okay. And um, since I'd only sailed a dinghy with a tiller, um, I was going <laughs> to have to have some professional who would be able to help me get my arms around a bigger boat. Yeah. And it wound up with a... <laughs> A 71-foot ocean <laughs> racing catch. That's a boat. That's a boat. That's a ship, actually. It, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, um, and um, <clears throat> I guess you could say it was a dream of mine. Mm -hmm. And I was getting to get my dream. Mm -hmm. And now I was partially paralyzed, so I had to have help. Um, I... I wrote a book in the shipyard of Southern Ocean Shipyards in Poole in Dorset in England where this boat was being built. And I was there every day during its building process. Mm. Wow. I know where every line and everything went. Yeah. Um, and I did part of the design of the below decks um, um, at the same time as writing the book. And... Um, it was splashed into the water, and um, and we began to sail this enormous thing, <laughs> and to begin to, and it was at that stage that we all went for an X-ray because we were getting ready to be able to go into the oceans of the world. Mm -hmm. An X-ray. An X-ray, yeah. We were we were being X-rayed to see whether we were fit. Oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, a, okay. A, a general fitness exam, yes. X-ray. Okay. Trina has a mass in one lung. Oh. And it's suspicious. Mm. And um, they didn't do a biopsy, which they would do now, mm -hmm. they simply were suspicious enough to say, this looks like a mm -hmm. tumor and it needs mm -hmm. to come out mm -hmm. now. So she had a thorondotomy where they go down the whole back and lift the back away and go in and resect the lung and take out the biopsy. Yeah. So in, in, in the... the the surgeon that did that was the Queen's surgeon, the Queen of England's surgeon. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, and charming chap. Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so he rings me and he said, I've got some good news for you. And I said, please. And he said, she's going to be splendid and it's not a cancer. It's a TB focus. Uh, uh, and with that, I fell on the bed, and I had two friends who were there at the time and heard this, and just wept my yeah. heart out. Yeah. And I was so overjoyed. Yeah, the relief. It was, it was gushing out of me. So with that, I then became her rehab person because I had to pay attention to because it's the most painful rehab operation that human beings can have. Oh, my goodness. That's what she went through. Wow. So I just stayed with her and saw the boat off down to the um, Mediterranean, and I accompanied her um, to a hotel in, in the Mediterranean. Yeah. So she, she was not on the boat? She wasn't on the boat. No. Okay. She, no. 
Yeah. No. I, I can't imagine being on a boat after yeah. being, going through something like that. Yes, yes. So we would be, eventually she got well enough to join the boat in the south of France. And then we started then this 24,000 mile, um, thousand miles a month wow. we spent on that boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, what did you hope was going to happen? You have the family together. Yes. On this boat. Yes. What was your hope at that point? Uh, that we would get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, nothing would be in the way. Right. Um, <laughs> you have a captive we, audience. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the money from the insurance and mm-hmm. that, that everybody understood that it was over um, and we were free. We could be a family finally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wish that it had been that, but it wasn't. Mm. Um our son was not learning that well with the tutor. Mm. Um, and we had to let the tutor go, and we had to get our son back in school mm. and our daughter back in school mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. now I'm left with Trina, and Trina is here, but you understand that what's going on um, with her now um, is this unforgiveness, which is now in its seventh, eighth year, yeah, um, has has a, a wearing down sure. quality, and the the reason why we held on to each other was the children. Mm-hmm. Now the children are away, not on the boat, but they're at school. Mm-hmm. So it's just me and her. Yeah. Um, I do wish that I could look back and say to you that we had some grand times. I probably had some grand times because it was a beautiful boat Mm -hmm. and I was very proud of it. And in the end, I got to be able to skipper that boat on my own. Yeah. um, Which is wonderful. Yeah. And getting to sail it into New York Harbor and, um, (laughs) you know, there were so many amazing experiences from a sailor's point of view. Yeah. Well, that's quite a feat to yeah. be able to do that. But after two years at sea and we we get stuck in the mud in Chesapeake Bay, which a lot of big boats do, um, Trina spots a house and she said, have you seen that house? <laughs> it's just gorgeous. Now, she is not an acquisitive person. She is... I've never known her to say, I love something like this. Mm -hmm. No, it's just not her. Yeah. So I go and look at this house. It's just just across the water from where we've we've run aground. Eh, It's it's over two stories high, and it's a white colonial mansion. It's got five, I think it was six six pillars on on both sides. Yeah. You know, Um, (laughs) and it's a um, a 16... um, I think it was 1610 or no, and whatever it was, it, it was old, mm-hmm. um, and um, and it was called Locust Grove, and okay. it had beautiful trees around it and lawns mm. and about 600 feet of water frontage and a long dock and all wow. that stuff. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> And about 10 minutes later, she's saying, and we're really stuck on the mud. We're going to be there for several hours. Oh, okay. Um, and she says, it's just beautiful. And I said, look, 
I'll tell you what I'll do since we're stuck. I'll row ashore and make them an offer um, for it. <laughs> you do that? Yes. I said, of course I'd do that. It winds, winds away. <laughs> the, she said, that's just ridiculous. And I said, it is ridiculous. There's every reason why you should chase me down the dock with a gun. <laughs> um, but, you know, at least, I, I'm, at least I'm recognizing that you love the house. Yes. Yeah. And I can imagine that you're trying to appease her in yeah, any way you anything, possibly can. Yes. Anything that yes. she wanted or desired, I wanted to be able to do because the next best thing could actually solve our problem. Yes. But it didn't. Right. And um, I wrote a shot, and I'm going to be very quick. The owner was very cooperative. I said, will you chase me down the dock with a gun? And he asked me, why, why should I do that? I said, because I, I have a ridiculous uh, offer for your house. And he said, well, I'll go and get the gun. And he had this big duck gun. And I said, that's just priceless. Let, let's, let's go. He said, make your offer. I said, no, I don't have to do that. <laughs> this is just fun. He said, yeah, it's just fun. Make your offer. I'm not going to chase you until I get the offer. <laughs> so I told him $250,000, quarter of a million yeah. for this. Yeah. Nine acres on the water. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Um, and he, he reached across the desk and said, it's yours. Wow. It was 1973 mm -hmm. and the bottom had fallen out of the stock market. We were mm -hmm. in a recession. Yes. I don't know what his needs were at that time. I've never found out. Wow. But he needed cash, and yeah. that's what he wanted. And he made me find out whether I could get that in cash, and I could by Tuesday. Wow. Said it's yours. Yeah. So <clears throat> I go back, and um, uh, and uh, and Trina says, "I didn't see him running after you down the dock." <laughs> and I said, "Because he's not the owner." Oh, wasn't he in? I said, "Not really, because you are the owner." <laughs> she said, "I'm what?" I said, "It's yours." Wow. So that got her attention. Yes. Um, she moved into this amazing 10,800 square foot mansion. Um, I would love to be able to tell you that everything then turned out just fine. And it just did, and yet it didn't. Yeah. We had a knock on our front door after we'd been there about a year, I was a small black girl dressed entirely in white, and she said, my name's Ruthie, and I'm not a maid, but I'm a missionary, and I want to go to Haiti where my people are suffering. And my pastor says the church is too poor to send me, and I'm to find some white, um, white folk in big white house on the water like yours and and serve them faithfully as a maid and be given the money that I can put into a savings account and then let's take myself down to do the ministry. Oh my goodness. That was her statement all in one breath. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I in, in my lofty arrogance, <laughs> said to her, do you speak French? No, sir. said, well, how are you going to get your message across? Um, and she said, I've got strong back and willing hands, and I've got Jesus in my heart. That's what she said. <laughs> wow. And I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. Um, so I, I brought her in to just introduce her to Trina. And Trina loved her at first sight. And, wow. And, and, 
And she loved Trina. And she saw within minutes Trina's need, which was profound at that stage. We were going to take her to um, an institution to get her detoxified from seven different um, drugs that she was taking at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very important to everybody in the house to understand that our beloved was going to have to be helped. Yeah. And um, deeply, for several months, we were told this wow. would take. What a godsend. Yeah. It really yeah. was. So she, she was due to go to be detoxed, which would take several months, they said, because she was taking up to 60 milligrams of Valium a day. Mm. Um, that was just one of the medications. There were, That's um, a lot. Uh, yes. There were another six medications that she took, yeah. all of which were trying to adjust her mind to be able to wrap its round self around the the life that she had to live. And I understand she was having a lot of, uh, I don't know if there's the right word, violent mood swings? Yes. Um, right? She could see visually children with their heads cut off. Oh, my goodness. And... She was once driving into um, uh, um, Annapolis. Um, we, we were on the eastern shore of the Chesapeake, and Annapolis is on the western mm -hmm. shore. And um, she, as she was driving up onto the big bridge, which led, she saw the bridge collapsing in front of her and, and cars being hurled into the water and that sort yeah. of thing. Oh, my goodness. That, that's, that's the kind of stuff that she was wrestling yeah. with at yeah. that stage. Um, so we were all familiar with that. The doctor had been to see me, and we had decided that it would be in January that she would start this. So around about the 17th, um, uh, a, a few days earlier than that, Rusi, who had not said a word from a scriptural or spiritual point of view. Mm -hmm. She would hum hymns and choruses as she went about her work mm. in, in the house. She cleaned everything brilliantly. Mm. And she told us, Leith, every time she laid a duster on anything, she was praying for the Holy Spirit to come and fill the house. Wow. Um, so... Trina at one stage is screaming at one of her screaming fits when, they, when she would break through the medication and it would rupture and her eyes would bleed and her mouth would be covered in, in a foam and she would screech and she was very powerful during that time. Wow. And I was pinning her against the wall um, to get it and trying to talk her down from this. And Ruthie was so aware of this. She'd gone to her pastor and said, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to say. This and, is spiritual warfare playing out in your house, isn't and it? And her pastor said to her, this is the kind that comes out with prayer and fasting. Mm. And you can't, there's nothing you can say. Mm. But we, as a congregation of 70 souls in a storefront church in, 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 in Wilmington, Delaware, yeah. 100 miles north, we'll pray for this lady. And they prayed for Trina. And they prayed for a month. And then they prayed a second month. And then the third month, the pastor said, we're now going to pray and fast, and we're going on a 24-hour cycle. Oh my we goodness. are not going to leave her alone for a minute. Mm. And they signed up different times of the day and night. 
that the whole congregation would the pray. The whole congregation. So that 24 hours a day, yes, she'd be covered in prayer. For three, for, for, uh, first, for three months altogether, but in this case, for a full month yeah. of prayer and fasting. At the end of that time, Ruthie Turner had one word for Trina. Oh, Trina, why don't you give your problems to God? Hmm. That was her mm -hmm. expression. And Trina said, and here I have to quote her, all right, God, if you're so bloody clever, you deal with me because I can't, mm -hmm. is what she said, which is a wonderful statement right. of truth. Yes. And um, so Ruthie said, why don't you be baptized? And she said, I was baptized as a child. I was sprinkled as a child. Mm -hmm. you know, we all are in England. Mm -hmm. And she said, no, I don't mean, I mean submerged in water, you know, and so you died to yourself and then are raised out of the water. Oh, well, I, maybe the water will do me some good. That was her attitude. So yeah. on the 17th of December, <laughs> she went to this little black Pentecostal holiness church in Bethlehem, Maryland, which was c closer to us than Wilmington, yeah. um, but yeah. a sister church. And the pastor's name was Friend, Pastor Friend. Really? Yeah. In Bethlehem, no less. In Bethlehem. <laughs> you know, if you'd really written the script, you wouldn't have believed that you right. could be that. And um, she went, she actually asked Jesus to forgive her very, very tenderly mm. before in a completely black church. And they, they, they put two school buses together and, and, and got the congregation that had prayed for her, came a hundred miles south to attend seeing her being baptized. Wow. Yeah. So they had a jam session. They brought all their instruments with them and they, they had, a, they had <laughs> yeah. themselves a set. And Trina was baptized and, and wearing um, uh, Ruth's baptismal robe. And it was, wasn't heated water, and it was the 17th of December, and it was really cold. Oh, yes. She dressed again and, they sa and said, do you want to tarry um, and, and wait for the Holy Ghost? And she said, well, what does that mean? Like what? Yeah, what, what does that mean? Yeah. You just kneel down there and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for the gift he's going to give you. So she knelt down at the prayer rail and the little black people came up and patted her all over, and, and, and she was then sweating because of the cold and then the heat, mm -hmm. and thinking, I, I, I'm supposed, she didn't know that she was going to have to be detoxed. She knew that, mm -hmm. that, it, was, that it was getting difficult, mm -hmm. but she didn't know when. Gotcha. She just felt, ah, if, if, if people think I'm going crazy, then this is crazy. Then she had a bright light fell on her face. And she thought to herself, they've just turned up the church lights to make me think I've got whatever it is that I'm supposed <laughs> to be getting. Yeah. She opened her eyes and there was a man standing in front of her who was completely radiant, just lit up, head to toe. Wow. A beautiful man, she said, but just radiating light said something to her that she could never remember, reached out and touched her physically. She felt the touch on her body and then disappeared. 
Wow. And she went that night from that church straight back home. She unscrewed the caps of all seven of these medications, tipped them upside down, down the drain, and pulled the chain and watched this colorful rainbow go round and round and disappear. <laughs> and she, she went to bed and had her first undrugged night's sleep for several years. Wow. In the morning, she, she woke uh, and ran to the mirror to see whether her eyes looked like Ruthie's. Yeah. Because Ruthie had a twinkle in her eyes. Really? Yeah. And Trina was looking for the light in her yeah. eyes because it glazed over with them. Yeah. And she saw a light in her own eyes. Wow. And she shouted, I wasn't there. I've got it! And they said, what have you got? I don't know what I've got, but when you do what I did yesterday and went to that church and baptized and everything, I said, I've got it. I've got it. Well, I, I arrived five days later. Folks, the story gets even better. Stay tuned to the second part of my third interview with Graham. He talks about his own journey to faith, as well as this amazing hug that he received from the Holy Spirit and what happens when he brings his newfound Christianity into the studio. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned to the That's God podcast. Thanks for watching.